0: If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're in the last chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Thank you for standing as we open the Word of God together. I kind of hate to see this study come to an end. We've been talking about the difference, and not only will we discover in the Word of God today that we are to be different, one of the defining characteristics of a Christian that should make us different should be our generosity, but not only is That's something that is made different in us by the Spirit of God living in us. It is something that allows us to make a difference in the world. We can make a difference because of our generosity. So I want to look at this passage this morning and see what the Lord has to say to us about making a difference through generosity. He says now about the collection for the saints. You should do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save to the extent that he prospers so that no collections will need to be made when I come. And When I arrive, I will send those whom you recommend by letter to carry your gracious gift to Jerusalem. If it is also suitable for me to go, they will travel with me. Father, Lord, we... Pray now that the Spirit take the truth of this passage, Uh, a small paragraph tucked away here in 1 Corinthians 16, that gives us great wisdom concerning this subject of generosity. Lord, we rely on your Spirit to speak to us through this Word. We also rely on your Spirit to work through us to help us to live it and apply it in our lives. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you go to a doctor, and he begins to ask you to lay on your back and maybe around your abdomen, and he begins to poke and prod and push and that sort of thing, what he is hoping you won't do in that moment is go, ow! That hurt. But if you do get to a place When you're having your physical, when you're having your checkup, your annual checkup, and the doctor pushes and pokes and prods in an area, and you do cry out, Oh, that hurts. That's usually an indication that there's more work to be done in that area. I know a lot of times for pastors it's difficult to preach on passages of Scripture like this because you're like, when I begin to preach on giving... A lot of people will say, whoa, you're stepping on my toes today in this area of giving. But if something comes across to you, and even as pastor of this church, when I read the Word of God there, oftentimes the Spirit of God takes that Word, digs deep into my soul, and it hurts a little bit, then that means there's some more work that God needs to do in your life in that area. And so we're talking about the area of our generosity, the area of our giving and we're asking ourselves this morning do we need some attention here because if this is something that god's doing in our lives he's, if it's a difference he's made in us and we realize that through generosity we can make a difference in the world then we definitely want to be healthy in this area we want our church to be healthy in the area of generosity we want our homes to be healthy in the area of generosity Last week, we looked at being stewards of spiritual gifts. If you've been given a spiritual gift, and we all have, then we're to exercise that gift. We're to be gracious with those grace gifts. Next week, we will be looking at relationships and the importance of leveraging relationships, not exploiting relationships like, hey, what can I get out of them? but how can I make the most of my relationships so that those relationships glorify God and impact our world and make a difference? How can I make a difference in the lives of others, establishing relationships and, and impact the world through those relationships? So we're talking about stewardship in all of those areas. Today it happens to be in the area of our generosity, our, 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 our resources, our blessings, and managing those for the glory of God. And So this is just another area of meaning when it comes to stewardship uh, we start with ourself and our gifts and all that we are in and of ourselves, giving ourself fully to God, fully to be used of Him. And then the resources He blesses us with, makes us stewards of. And then the relationships that He brings into our lives. And so we've got an opportunity to be impactful while we're here, to touch our world with our generosity. It's not a popular subject by any stretch of the imagination. I know some people say, well, if you go to church, man, every Sunday the pastor preaches on giving, and those of you who know uh, me and have been a part of this church for the years that I've been here, you know that that's not the case with me. I don't preach on giving every single Sunday. Um, Some pastors just got to confess, well, that's an area where we need to focus. Some would say, pastor, you need to preach more on that. As a matter of fact, some of the most controversial passages of Scripture, I'll have people come and say, "Well, well, pastor, you need to preach on giving, or You need to preach on hell more. You need to preach on this. Well, one reason I'm an expository preacher, I like to preach through books of the Bible. That's not always the case. I might deal with certain subjects, certain topics from time to time and pick a text that deals with that. But often I work my way systematically through the Bible, methodically through the Bible, because that will cause me to come up on subjects as often as God comes up on those same subjects, right? And so if we work our way through 1 Corinthians, we'll touch on giving as often as Paul touches on giving under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so I I remember the late Dr. Jerry Falwell said one time that it was going to be on his tombstone, uh, the verse of scripture that said, and the beggar died, because he said, I'm always asking people to give more and invest more. And he did that out of a mentality of let's invest in the kingdom and let's make a difference. Now, it's not a popular subject, the subject of giving, but you might be interested to know that 16 out of the 29 parables that Jesus told, 16 out of 29, that's a pretty high percentage, Right? 16 out of 29 dealt with money or money management or stewardship or investing in some way or another, investing resources. And so if we preach and teach the whole counsel of the Word of God, we're going to deal with the subject and we're going to be the better, the healthier, the wiser as a result of it. So this morning we're looking at a subject as Paul's talking to the church of Corinth about a gift, a collection, an offering. We're looking at the subject uh, of making a difference through generosity and, and how we can be good stewards of the blessings. So let's, let's kind of answer that question with a text. How can you and I be good stewards of the blessings that God has placed in our lives? And the first area I want us to think about is our witness this morning. Think about our witness. See, stewardship or giving, giving of an offering, give, investing our financial resources in the kingdom is an investment in the mission of the church and in the kingdom of God. You might say, Pastor, that's a no-brainer. That's why we give. It's not to to, uh, make us feel better or to give us a little endorphin kick so we can pat ourselves on the back. We give because we're investing in the mission of the church and in the kingdom of God. And and so he just kind of breaks that down, and he says, now about the collection for the saints in verse 1. He says, I'm going to tell you the same thing I'm telling the Galatian churches. I'm going to tell you, What has has been the heart of my message under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying, I'm going to teach you a little bit about the collection, about the offering. In other places, different words are used. Even in this passage, in verse 3, he uses the word grace-giving. That word charis, the the grace gifts. He says, this is a a blessing. You're gracing others as a result. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he uses the word fellowship. In describing he uses the word koinonia, you're, you're being a, a, a one who invests in, in, invests in body life in the, in the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter eight, he uses the word "service or ministry that you're giving is a ministry. and so we need to keep that mindset. we're investing in the mission and ministry we 're in, investing in the mission of the church and in the kingdom of God when we receive an offering for the glory of God in god 's place. Of worship here the word is logia we get uh you know the, the the root of that word lagos. it's t- t- the words here it's it's plural it's talking about the communication in other words your worship in tithes and offerings your offerings your giving is an act of communicating something it's communicating your heart for god it's communicating a love to others that's going to be shared in reaching them and ministering to them the church is where, when we think about the church that this was going to, this offering was going to be taken up, and this offering was going to be invested back all the way to the church in Jerusalem, where this church was facing great drought and famine that was leading to the church being in a severe time of struggle. And so they were investing in a mission church, but a mission church that had been the original church that eventually led to their even coming into existence as a church. And so there was cooperation in the giving here and, and investing in the kingdom and in the, the church that was struggling back in Jerusalem. In Galatians chapter 6, when, when he refers to the, the Galatian churches, and I'm instructing you in the way I instructed the Galatian church, we get some great commentary on what that giving was all about. The best commentary on the Bible, by the way, is the Bible. I'm glad some of you remembered that. Some students in here that knew that, right? The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And and so we want to keep that in mind. Now look at the book of Galatians, and in chapter 6, turn right past 1 and 2 Corinthians, and you get to the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. and Galatians chapter 6, we find some great commentary on this offering and how the attitude and, and all of that should be when it comes to investing in the mission and ministries of the church and in the kingdom of God. He says, the one who is taught the message must share his goods with the teacher. Now, that is talking about uh, financial provision for the pastoral ministry in the church. Now, I'm not one to stand up and preach on the preacher's salary, but there are some arguments in some circles that you shouldn't be in vocational ministry. Um, there is biblical grounds for vocational ministry saying, be sure that you're meeting the needs of those who are in full-time ministry, in, in that ministry especially if they're teaching the word if they're taught the message in other words if they aren't preaching and teaching the word of god don't support them financially that tv preacher that's on tv asking for money if he's not preaching and teaching a biblical message don't support that ministry financially and then he says don't be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows he will also reap that's that principle of sowing and reaping it's a principle that jesus taught as well he said in Uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed out, shaken together, and running over. That means that instead of coming to a place in our life where we say, well, pastor, I want to invest in kingdom ministry, I want to give, but I just can't afford it, Jesus would say, no, sorry, you can't afford not to. You can't afford to miss out on the blessings of God on your life that result in you declaring that you are a channel of God's blessings and a good steward of those blessings. And he goes on to explain that in this passage, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. The one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. There's this principle of sowing and reaping here. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at a proper time if we do not give up. And so he's saying invest in spiritual things, invest in spiritual matters, even in your own personal life. Invest in those things that make an eternal difference and a spiritual, uh, a spiritual difference, a spiritual impact in you. And there he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, now he's talking about investing in others, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all. And then he says this, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And so he says in Galatians 6, I've been instructing the church at Galatia you're to invest in kingdom ministry. You're, you're to invest in those ministries that all uh, support the work of the Word of God. And so support those that are in ministry, that are preaching and teaching the Word of God, those who are taking the Word of God to the mission field. We're to support those if they don't hold high the Word of God. We're not supposed to invest in those missions and those ministries. And then he comes back and he says, and you're supposed to take care of one another in the household of faith, especially those of the household of faith. And so while, yes, there is a, a, a need for benevolence ministry that reaches out to those who are outside of the church giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, their greatest need is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there should be something about how God's people take care of each other even more so than how they give to those outside of the church that makes those outside of the church say, wow, it'd be nice to be a part of a church because those folks look after one another those folks care for one another sometimes we get so caught up and i hear this i hear this indictment preached against the church that's totally not biblical and and they'll say well the church needs to be the one out there doing everything the government's doing and the church should be taking care of all those people and all of those needs not necessarily the scripture says the church first of all needs to take care of the church in such a way that they're providing and encouraging and and, and investing in one another, that those outside of the church realize that they're missing out. Listen, if you have a child rebel in your home, and they say, I don't want anything to do with this family anymore. And they run away. And you say, well, as long as you run away, I'm still going to meet your needs. They're not going to come home. But if you show tough love and you say, listen, if you're going to be far from your family and you're going to be far from God, we're not going to meet those needs anymore, then they might realize, wait a minute, like the prodigal son, it was much better at home. I think I'll come back home. And so when the church is doing what Scripture teaches us to do, especially meeting the needs of the household of faith, then those outside of the church are saying, I might be missing out on something. And so God didn't call the church to do all of the world's benevolence. Now, we're to be gracious, we're to give to missions, and we're especially to give in a way to take the gospel to the lost and those outside of the church, and we are to have those moments of giving the cup of cold water in Jesus' name. But even Jesus then, at the woman at the well, when he's ministering to her and he's saying, look, if you'd have asked me, I'd have given you living water. Jesus is teaching us there. He's more concerned about the spiritual needs of those outside the church than even the physical needs. And if we're not careful, we'll do so much missions and and work all around the world that does everything to meet all kinds of needs so that people still die and go to hell, separated from the living Christ. They just have more clothes and are better fed. They need the gospel first. So we invest in the Word of God, and we invest in the body of Christ, and we invest in, in the preaching and teaching and the missions and evangelism and all that takes the Word of God to our world. And so he says, man, here's the blessing. Give, and it'll be given to you. Become a channel of that blessing. But instead, we start kind of deciding, what's mine and what's God's? Stewardship is coming to a place in our life where we realize it's all God's anyway. God's just telling me where to appropriate it. One preacher told his wife one time, he had, they had two little baby goats, and he said, listen, one goat's God's and one's ours. And later on, one of the goats died, and he said, I've got some bad news. God's goat died. Sometimes we get like that. I'm like that. You know, I remember when Tina and I were, the cupboard was kind of bare, and we were newlyweds. We were living down in, on the coast in North Carolina, and, and uh, the cupboard's bare sometimes now, but it's because we have an 18-year-old in the house. Um, but it's one of those days. And, I, I, you know, I had some change in my pocket, and I had a few bucks, and I went by McDonald's, and I got us, a, got us dinner so we didn't have to uh, worry about cooking anything that evening. And I've got this bag of, uh, you know, I've got a couple of drinks. I got this bag uh, uh, you know, with, with fries and everything else in it. And, and as I'm headed home, somebody pulled out in front of me and I had to slam on my brakes. The bag went forward and one of the bags of fries just spilled all over the floor of the car. And I came in the house and I said, Tina, somebody pulled out in front of me. The good news is I didn't hit them. I got on the brakes. The bad news is I spilled all your fries. <laughs> that, we don't, we don't want to we, we lose what belonged to God, not what belonged to us, right? We want to hold on to it. No, that's mine, God. Don't touch that. But when we look at this passage and we look at all of these other words like fellowship and ministry and grace and words that were used for the the opportunity to give, we realize that God's called us to come together in sincere fellowship, giving to support ministry and missions in a way that undergirds the proclamation of God's word, teaching that equips the saints, discipleship, teaching that communicates the gospel evangelism. Those are the ministries, kingdom ministries, that God has called us to invest in first and foremost. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20, it says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So when you give and when you invest in gospel ministry, you're laying up treasures that that moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves can't break in and steal. When you invest in ministries, You say, well, it's just an act of worship. At the end of a worship service, we pass a collection, and we receive an offering, and that's just to keep the lights on. Well, yes, it helps keep the lights on, but you know it helps keep the lights on so this place can be full of worshipers. It keeps the lights on so this place can be uh, filled with people who will be under the teaching of the Word of God. It turns the lights on so that we can have kids come in on a Wednesday night and do a Wana ministry and learn the Word of God, and be discipled in their walk with God from an early age. It goes to places like Haiti, and India, and Guyana, to support missionaries who are taking this Word and making a difference in their world. A percentage of every dime that you give in this church goes to places around the world that you may never go. So you're giving to support the mission of the kingdom of God. You're investing in that. So it's reflected in our witness, but it's also seen in our worship. Our worship. See, we we give as an act of worship, acknowledging the lordship of Christ. See, our giving is an act of worship. I've heard some say Pastors, you need to quit receiving an offering in your worship services because people that you're trying to reach with the gospel think that all you care about is money. And I want to make it abundantly clear that we care about so much more than money. As a matter of fact, I will say this. The Bible tells us not to give grudgingly. If there's anything that would cause you to be grudging or apprehensive, I would say don't give in that spirit. I'll also remind us all that God doesn't need our money. God owns the cattle of a thousand hills the wealth of every mind. God can do what God wants to do in spite of us. And apart from us, God gives us the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. But I'm not ready to say, well, let's just take offering away. We wouldn't want to offend anybody because in Scripture, offering is a very act of worship. He says, when you come together, what was that? Corporate worship. When? First day of the week. What happened after the resurrection? We saw this on Easter Sunday. After the resurrection, they changed their day of corporate worship. The New Testament church did from Saturday to Sunday. Sunday, the first day of the week. So when you come together for corporate worship, you're going to bring that that amount that you had set aside. So he says in verse 2, on the first day of the week, set something aside. When you gather together on that day, you're going to bring that. So it's systematic. It's intentional part of corporate worship. He says, begin budgeting for this cause. According to how God prospers, he says, or how God has provided for you. God doesn't, in Scripture, ask for equal giving among his people. He asks for equal sacrifice, that we all stop and say, what can I give? What can I sacrifice? And we set an amount, we purpose in our heart. Now, there's a lot of debate today over whether or not the New Testament continues to teach the principle of tithing. There's a lot of debate on the the idea of a new covenant, a New Testament tithe, because quite simply, the word tithing is not used In the New Testament, that doesn't mean that the principle disappeared. Now, the Old Testament tithe, we also want to be careful about legalism. The Old Testament tithe, when you talk about the various tithes at different times of fruitfulness in one's life, the Old Testament tithe probably all added up to about 25% of one's income. And in in the ancient Israel, there was a little bit of difference then than there is in the church today that's in the world today. And and that difference was also seen in the New Testament church. And that is ancient Israel. There was no separation of church and state. The church was the state. The state was the church. You know, when somebody says they are Jewish, you're like, you mean nationality or that's your faith? And the answer is yes, it was both. And, And so a lot of that that 25% of their resources that God had blessed them with that was going back and being invested into Israel, probably close to 15% of that met needs that were governing responsibilities in Israel. And around 10% were meeting temple cause type needs. Well, that might be a great system today. 15% to you know, tax rate across the board, right? 10% to the church across the board. Today, however, in the United States, uh, lower income families, often lower income families, will pay little or no taxes. And if they are active church members, they will give on average 3% to the church. On average, it's 2.9% to the church. And that spectrum runs a gamut all the way to the upper income families that give as much as 40% taxes, still average. Less than 3% that they give, Christians, believers across the board, give about 2.9% of their income on average to the local church. And, and by the way, Jesus wasn't rattled about the whole tax thing. I know that some of us are saying this morning, why in the world would I want to give 25% or whatever to the government and, and, and only 10%? to the church, and, and, and if the government would tax me less. Jesus said, look, r- r- render under Caesar what is Caesar's. So he didn't say, hey, don't pay your taxes and, and invest in the kingdom instead. He was saying, that's Caesar's, just give it. But render under God what is God's. Don't rob from God either. Give God what belongs to it. And, and so Jesus is teaching us a principle of stewardship. Another thing to keep in mind, while we don't see that word, the tithing language, a tithe meant in the Old Testament one-tenth, and again, by the time you tithe in different areas, it could be up to 25% of your resources, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And so we don't ask, how little can I give? We ask, by the grace of God, grace giving says, Lord, how much can I give? How much can I be a blessing? Look at 2 Corinthians Again, it's more commentary on the Bible here. Uh, but turn to Second Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start with verse 6. Listen to what Paul, he's still talking to the church of Corinth here and, and, and probably what might have been a fourth letter by this time. He says, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the person who sows generously will reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Some of you have heard before the Greek word therefore cheerful is where we get the word hilarious. God wants there to be a celebration, a joy in our giving. The folks that came back from Haiti talked about the lady who brought a chicken to the altar, not to be sacrificed like the religion of voodoo, but to say, okay, this is my contribution to the offering. And she did so with great joy. And So he says, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you. You say, but if I invest in the kingdom, if I give to ministry and missions, if I set, if I purpose in my heart to give a tithe, then I won't be able to pay my bills. And he says, God will take care of that. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, he told the church at Philippi, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. As it is written, he is scattered and he is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness as you are enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. See, it's, it's an act of worship. It's saying, God, I love you, I praise you, I'm thankful for you, and because of that, I'm going to lift my voice of praise when we gather in worship, but it's, I'm also going to invest in the kingdom, not just because I'm I'm investing in gospel ministry, but also because I'm doing this as an act of worship to you. He says, through the proof of this service, they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ for your generosity in sharing with them and with others. You're making a difference through generosity. Some of you are, are like, Pastor, I've been faithfully giving, but I don't see it. One day you will see it. You might see it in God's provisions in your life now, but you will certainly see it in heaven one day when you see the lives that were impacted. Pastor, I never went to India. I never went to Haiti. Sure you did through your investment in kingdom ministry. And in their prayers for you, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God on you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so he's saying as an act of worship here, God's been so good to me. God has been so, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has been bestowed on me. I am a child of the living God. I am joint heirs with Jesus Christ. How can I not reinvest in his kingdom? We just want to be a channel of his grace and of his blessings. Heard the story of a $100 bill and a $20 bill and a $5 bill that ended up in the same cashier's drawer at the bank and so they started having a conversation with one another you've heard money talks right (laughs) they started having a conversation with one another on a monday morning what did you do over the weekend and the hundred dollar bill said man i had a great weekend took the family to a ball game we went and saw a great baseball game got everybody a ticket, got them into the game, got them a hot dog, got them a cold soda, and we, we just, man, it was awesome at the ball game this weekend. The $20 bill said, well, cool. I had a good time at the movies. Got a couple of movie tickets. This was a while ago. Got a couple of movie tickets, got, 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 got popcorn and soft drinks, and, and it was a nice date this couple had I got to be a part of. And so the $20 bill and $100 bill looked at the five and said, well, what did you do over the weekend? He said, same as always, church, church, church. See, we want to invest in everything else. We buy things that will rust. We buy things that will lose. Have your kids ever done without something and they know that it was because it was invested in kingdom causes. Maybe it was a trip, maybe it was a toy, maybe it was even a meal. But it gave them an opportunity to be a part of something. Rather than a worldly investment, did they see what a kingdom investment was? That's an act of worship. That's an act of worship when we begin to invest in the kingdom. We move from that to our, our own willingness, our willingness From our worship to our, you say, what do you mean by our willingness? I mean our willingness in giving with a willingness to go and appropriate the gift personally when God calls. God isn't calling everybody to India. God's not calling everybody to go on the next mission trip to Haiti, but God's calling some of us to. And God's calling every one of us to do something to appropriate the gift. See what he says here back in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16? He says, for if anyone can uh, I'm sorry, I'm still in Galatians. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 3 and 4. He says, and when I arrive, I will send those whom you recommend by letter. In other words, they said, hey, folks, uh, you got an opportunity to go with Paul and be a part of something here. And he said, they can carry the gracious gift to Jerusalem. If it is also suitable for me to go, they'll, they'll travel with me. Paul is saying, look, you're putting this gift together, you're investing in kingdom ministry, and some of you are going to have the opportunity to actually take that gift and go appropriate that gift personally and be a part and see what's going on there. I never look. It's a personal policy of mine, and I think that Billy Graham was wise when he said we determined early in our ministry to stay away from women and money. But it takes a lot of money to do what they do right and so he said we just we just don't those of us who are in spiritual leadership we just don't touch the money and so I've just made that a policy of mine I don't look at what anybody gives I don't want to know personally what anybody gives unless somebody just hands me a a check or something or or, or, it says put this toward a particular ministry I'm usually clueless as to what individuals give except for one thing you can see when somebody's invested because they're willing to appropriate that investment. You can tell by people that are actively serving in ministry are invested in that ministry. Why? Because Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If somebody's heart's not in worship, they're probably not investing in worship. If somebody's heart's not in missions, they're probably not investing in missions. If somebody doesn't have a heart for a church to reach kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ... They don't have a heart for us to have a, a strong student in children's ministry. They're probably not financially invested in student in children's ministry. So we've got to be invested personally, willing to appropriate it. You, you begin to give yourself with the gift. See, that's part of the, the stewardship process where we give, Paul says, I urge you to the church at Rome, I'm begging you by the mercies of God, because you've received from God, by the mercies of God, give yourself, give your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, this is your reasonable act of worship, so if we're not willing to give ourselves and say, yes, let me roll up my sleeves and find out where my spiritual gift is and serve God in this particular ministry and serve God in this particular area and not just come and receive as a consumer, but give and 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 give my life those people who are investing their very lives in it are probably also the ones who are investing other resources in it those people who say i hate to miss worship because i'm so invested in that worship those who come hungry for the word because they're invested in that word you know we don't want to miss a meal that we've paid for right I, i don't know i know yesterday the athens christian ffa did their barbecue you know and most of the people who bought tickets showed up to get their meal I'm sure some of them didn't. I've made that mistake before not showing up to get a meal that I'd paid for. But, but most of them, the overwhelming majority that bought a ticket for a barbecue plate, guess what? They showed up to get the barbecue plate because they don't want to be invested in something and then not receive. So when you invest in the ministry of the Word of God, you can tell because people want to be there to receive that Word that they've invested in when you want your children to be involved in student ministry because when we receive an offering, we're investing in student ministry. For some of us, that means we're going to go on that mission trip because here at Trinity, we designate a significant percentage of our missions budget to help people go on a mission trip. So some of you are called to go and appropriate that, to serve in that children's department. You discover and use those gifts in appropriating. You discover and use your spiritual gifts in appropriating the material gifts. And while Jesus fed the hungry, healed the sick and preached the gospel of the kingdom to the oppressed. His coming to us went a lot further than that, didn't it? He gave himself. He he appropriated the greatest gift that's ever been given, God given his only son, Jesus appropriated himself. He, He gave his own life. On a cross and so we come to a place in our lives where we say i'll take up my cross and follow you so be generous with your resources invest in the kingdom some of you i could never call by name because you wouldn't want me to have that spiritual gift of giving and you're investing big time in the kingdom all of us though are still called to be good stewards and to be generous and to give out of the generosity of our hearts And when we do that, our heart gets invested in it because where our treasure is, there our heart is. And then we find ourselves saying, I want to be a part of that. And I want to encourage you, do that. Be a part of it. Get involved in appropriating what you're investing in and helping care and steward that investment. Jesus did by giving us his very life. And so some of you this morning just need to give your life on the altar to him. Would you bow your heads with me?